Hey guys, welcome to another episode. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, I hope everyone's doing well, everyone's rested, everybody's, you know, basically taking it one day at a time. Yeah, it's been a while. And actually, it's kind of coming up to the year anniversary. Yeah, I don't know if I want to jump up and celebrate it. No, anniversary doesn't mean it's a celebration. Anniversary just means one year, you know? Okay, so it was a recognition of the fact that we've been through this for about a year now. Exactly. Like, I know you always want to equate anniversary with celebration, but it's not... doesn't always have to be that case. No, definitely not this one. <laughs> they can keep this one for a while. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting year. In fact, interesting fun fact is that, what, last month, this time last month, Aiden and I was sick. We came down with the flu. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, I mean, this is prior to even, you know, COVID being even a discussion. So, you know, we did what we did. Took us three days and we covered and uh, kept them moving ever since. So, uh, you know, for those that, you know, still dealing with it, combating whatever the case may be, uh, you know, stay strong for those who've uh, passed on because of COVID. You know, our prayers are with you and your families and your loved ones because it's not been easy. It's not been an easy year. Yeah, it's not. Um, And just going with us, so we were, it's about almost a year till we got the news that we were going on lockdown uh, you weren't sure whether you were going to work or not, and I got the word that we were going to be away for two weeks. Yeah. So we said, okay, pack up your stuff. We're going to do remote learning. I work in a school, just to give a background. And I said, okay, all right, we're doing remote learning. What is that about? I had to learn about this thing called a Google Classroom and had to do that setup really quickly, but we were told it was going to be for two weeks. And naive, being naive, I believed it. And then one teacher told me, she's like, we're not coming back until September. And I was like, what? She's like, no. And I was like, how do you, like, what? And she was right. Exactly. Funny enough, she was right. So, yeah, it's it's the anniversary of this pandemic. Yeah, I think my job, we moved, I think we went remotely about two weeks from now. Yeah, you went, you guys were went remote first. Yes. Well, it was a, the plan was to do it for I believe 2 days to see <laughs> what it was like to work remotely, you know, 2 3 days to do that, give everybody a chance to set up their home office, get everything prepared, and then we'd be back like let's say it was a Thursday we left, we would have to come back on Monday or Tuesday and basically, you know, give feedback yeah. on how everything works, did the systems work, where everything was in place. That day never came. Exactly. And I remember clearly, I was like, uh, you're not going back. You were like, yeah, we are. I was like, oh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, it was crazy. One thing after another, it was like, wow. It felt like we we're in a different world in time. Still are. Still are. I mean, but there's little beacons of hope that is like <laughs> yeah, going to open up to see what happens. Exactly. And it's so funny. So we, me and you got into this weird like sleeping spell. Yeah, that was weird for a while. <laughs> that was, I, I don't know if that was basically years of not sleeping. Yes. You know, not having the right um, sleep patterns. And it finally caught up to us and it just started knocking us out. We're just like sleeping for hours. It was like, after a while, Aiden was taking care of himself. <laughs> exactly. And I don't know. What, 
to a point, I was like, do we have COVID? Because we would sleep. Yeah, but that, I mean, that was not, I don't think that was, yeah, fatigue was one of the symptoms. Fatigue is a symptom for sure. (laughs) Yeah, but the fact is that, you know, we didn't have anything else. It was just fatigue. It was just like complete exhaustion. I, I would have to say it was just, Badly, bad, basically, our bodies are saying, "Look, take a break." I think so too. It was funny because it was like it was finally where we couldn't go anywhere, and our bodies was like, "Okay, this is the time to sleep," and we just slept and slept. How long did it last for? I think it was by at least I would have to say about two weeks. <laughs> two weeks of just not wanting to do anything. I think we were in the same clothes like for three or four days in a row, just. <laughs> Sat on the couch and ordered food. It just like did not go out. I remember working, but doing the very like sleeping between. Yeah, taking naps in between your sessions. Yes, like, yeah. <laughs> I was nuts. And I remember one time, I went to Trader Joe's one time, like just to get like the food for quarantine. You know that whole mad rush. And then I came back, and it was like I went. I left at like seven thirty. Came back at eleven because you know, it was a long line, and I was knocked out for the whole day because of that trip to Trader Joe's. And I'm like, wow, that wiped me. Like, what well, is that about? Yeah, and that didn't help, you know, when you live on a fourth floor walk-up and no elevator. So you're just like, oh, my God, more energy exert. Yeah, it was a challenging time just physically trying to get through that that sleeping spell. <laughs> but, I mean, eventually your body tells you, you just got to stop. Yeah. You just got to recuperate and just, just do it. And plus it was going into flu season, too, as well. So it could have been something else. Yeah, we don't know. I'm just trying to recap on kind of the things that, the habits that we got into. You were pretty good. Like, you didn't stay home every day. Like, you went uh, out every single day. Yeah, I had to. I, I, I'm not accustomed to just be sitting in the house. No, yeah. I got to be out. But the interesting thing is that when I did go out, it was at different times of the day. Mm-hmm. So it varied from 4 o'clock in the morning, 7 o'clock in the morning, mid-afternoon, mm-hmm. late evening. Or maybe one, two o'clock in the morning, just to get a vibe of what's going on different times of the day, who was out, who was in, you know, just taking in a neighborhood, you know, <laughs> and seeing it different times of the day was interesting. Um, I mean, I've seen some crazy things, to say the least, because it's you know it's New York City. You're going to run into some weird stuff, but for the most part, it was it got quiet after 10 p.m. Oh yeah, the ghost town. Oh yeah, it was the strangest thing. I was like, wow. But as soon as daybreak came, you know, all the nut jobs come out. They're just literally screaming at 6, 7 o'clock in the morning, walking by people just laying on the floor screaming. It's like, oh, boy. Okay, we're, we're somewhat semi-normal. But for the most part, you know, it was just basically taking in what was going on for me. Just needed to get that clarity of, like, what are we dealing with right now? And I think everyone um, dealt with the pandemic differently. Yeah, of course. You know, I was in that clean everything mode. Oh, I, yeah. Like, and oh, I wash your hands. I, oh my god, like I touched this. It was, it was, it's. Oh my god. You were driving me nuts. Of course. You were literally driving me nuts. I was like, I just don't do this. And the funny thing is, my background is in operations, so maintaining facilities, you know, the logistics and cleaning, uh, making sure things are organized. I'm good with that. But when it feels like it's being beaten down on you to the point of fear or paranoia, I just can't work that way. You know, it was just, it was hard. I didn't know if we were going to even last. Yeah. Because we're both in the house. Because we never, neither one of us has been home for like two, three weeks together, you know, just us, especially with Aiden too as well. And a small, very, very small apartment. Yeah. I mean, had a space, but still. 
were still like on each other. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh boy, how? Not for nothing. I was like, okay, how is this gonna work? I didn't think we were gonna make it. I really thought we were gonna get, <laughs> we were gonna break up. <laughs> One of us was gonna leave and not come back. Yeah. No, because to be on top of each other in a small space, then I, you know, I didn't grow up in a, being on top of people, not having your own space. So I was like, oh my god, this is gonna be very interesting. Yeah. I, you know what? The funny thing is that's that wasn't my concern only because. I'm accustomed to being in small spaces with <laughs> multiple people. So I was good with that, you know, because I've always lived in an apartment. But it was just a matter of things that I, I'm accustomed to having done if I'm home, things that be, you know, done a certain way. And it's like, oh, boy, how are we going to do this? So um, I can let's do this. So I saw some ways that you were coping with the pandemic and I'm gonna I'm gonna just say them, and then you can just tell me how you felt I was coping with them. I don't know if you can even do that because of the fact that if I'm caught up in the way I'm coping with my the pandemic, I'm not paying attention to how you're coping with oh, it. Oh, I was paying attention to how you were coping with it. But that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you were, you see, you were doing that with me, but I wasn't doing that with you. <laughs> so you know what I'm saying? Because I'm dealing with what I'm going through in my mind because there's so many things that I needed to get done, things. I wasn't even concerned on how you're dealing with it. <laughs> but what made me concerned was the fact of how you were allowing it to affect us because you were doing the, okay, you got to wash your hands. Oh, you got to wipe things out. And it's like every time you go outside, I'm like, look, I don't do fear. Yeah, but I mean, that was nothing. Like, um, if you had another wife do, I'm, it would have been like, triple fold what I was doing. But I don't have another wife. So I, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know how to deal with that anyway. So, I'm, so that's for me. Cause it's like when you grow up with a parent who does that fear factor for a while, as you're growing up, like, Oh, don't do this. And it's like, it's constant. After a while, it's like enough, Got enough, it. especially when you've seen things, you've experienced things already that they may not have been aware of. So fear is no longer an issue or concern. So for me, it's like, I, I just don't do the fear thing. Yeah, I mean, we're in a pandemic. There's nothing we ever experienced. Uh, understandable. But the fact is that we need to understand what is it we're experiencing as opposed to me. <laughs> I, I'm just scared. I, I, to close, lock the door. Close the windows. Don't let anyone in. Don't call anybody. Don't talk to me. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are we doing? Yeah, it was, it was just pretty extreme. But what I saw that you were doing, you kind of like kept yourself to one area for hours and hours and hours at a time. Oh, yeah. I was working. No, you were researching. That too. <laughs> I was I was doing a combination of working and researching because I had to understand. For me, I have to understand what is it that I'm witnessing, what is it I'm being made part of, because I can't deal with it if I don't understand it. I know. So there was a point where I'm like, enough, enough. I just yeah. blew up. I'm like, enough. Yeah, but the thing is, it was enough for me with you, you know, hand washing, hand sanitizer. Yeah. Every time I walk in the door, hand sanitizer, take off your shoes, do this. I'm like, do I take a shower? I'm like, well, well, let's let's relax. Relax. I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't touch anybody. I didn't do anything. It was just me, the sidewalk, in the air. That's it. <laughs> so, I mean... Think about it, uh, about it now. It's like, wow, we've actually got through it. We learned a lot. Um, Aiden grew a lot. Oh, boy. I mean, what, 20 pounds? At least. Yeah, 20 pounds a little bit too, much, too much girth. Yes. <laughs> yes. But, I mean, the most, at least during that time, we were able to go out. I think during the summer we did the beaches. and Yeah, just, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, so was, we had some fun doing this pandemic. Yeah, we made the best of it because, I mean... For your for our sanity, we had to because it's just 
not natural, natural to do that, to have that experience of being locked in and not being able to go out, but to come out and be like, okay, let's try to have some type of normalcy despite everything else. And also for Aiden, I didn't really want him to be exposed exactly. to it. Exactly. And I think we were on the same page with that. And I really was happy we did that. We didn't really expose him to what was really going on. Yeah. Um, I remember us taking a walk because we, we did get him out for exercise. Uh, and he noticed, and he picked up. I didn't really want to tell him anything, really. Yeah. But he did pick up on the fact that the stores uh, were closed. Yeah. So we took a walk and he was like, the library's closed? He's like, yeah. Then he goes, that store is closed too. And I'm like, yeah, it's closed. And then we passed the bank and he said, it's closed too. Tell me why. Tell me why. Mom, tell me why. And I oh, was like. Oh, wow. A kid locked in a dungeon <laughs> since daylight. <laughs> he said, why? And I said, okay. I said, everything's going to be fine. Some people are getting sick, so they just have to close everything down. And basically, that was that. Like, yeah. I didn't go into deaths and pandemic and COVID and blah, blah, blah. I just said some people are getting sick, and that's why they had to close things down. But everything's going to be fine. He said, oh, okay. Yeah, I think that's appropriate for a child because, you know, when you, when you as an adult have that control and you impose that same insecurities that fear and you pass it down to a child you're just recreating yourself exactly and putting their your anxieties into them yeah and exactly. i did and i didn't want that to happen exactly. i was really concerned about that especially with you because i was watching i'm like let's not do this yeah because you don't and you don't want to put you want to preserve their childhood right yeah really. it's almost like they're snatching i hear so many parents talking about like their child is just unnerved they're on medication now mm. from all the stress and everything children don't want to touch each other be near each other and then you have kids who were denied the chance to talk with friends or play with friends are now really just like regressing academically socially and emotionally yeah it's, it's a really a tough time and you didn't want that like so even explaining the mass like why we have to wear a mask to school now and i just said we just have to wear a mask to keep you safe and this is the new rules in school and that was it Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay, and, and I, he's wearing masks in school. He knows, like, he'll even tell me, "Mom, you forgot your mask or whatever." So that was that. Like, yeah, we didn't really have to. We were lucky. Like, he wasn't as inquisitive as maybe some other kids that would yeah. go into it. Because I know some kids that are questioning, the, and they know all about the virus and the COVID and stuff like that, and they're questioning things. And maybe that's why the parents have to. Um, explain things a little bit more detailed than we did, so we were fortunate in that case. Yeah. The thing is that at some point we had to come together and be like, okay, we have to work together if we're going to go get through this. So there had to be some clear communications because I think because of our work schedule, we, we were rarely home at the same time. If we were, we were home together for like a couple of hours before it's bedtime. Mm-hmm. Now to spend every day and then for us to have, you know, you know, you working from home, which which required you to be very active and very focal, and for me <laughs> to be on the phone to talk to clients, and then you know Aiden to be also work. vocal and to be on. So all of us were on a computer mm-hmm. somewhere, and just to find that space was really hard, especially in like a, what, a bedroom and a half. Yeah, it was. It, that was the toughest part. Like yeah. be, having us having a space for our own room. Yeah, but in terms of like. Our relationship, like you and I. 
Oh, God. Like, what do you think? Do we need a lawyer for this part? Or maybe a mediator? A legal counsel or something like that? Yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe. I think, a I, think a it's, I think legal counsel is always necessary. Well, I mean, for a prenup. <laughs> Only for a prenup or a divorce. No, just to have your back in general. We really? Uh, okay. Um, but uh, so the therapist would work. <laughs> so we were watching this really good series. What was it called? Couples Therapy? Couples Therapy. Ah, yes, yes, yes. I thought you were going to talk about Raised by Wolves, but go ahead. <laughs> that was a good series, too. So, and um, it was good. Couples Therapy. And it's a really good. That was on Showtime. It's on Showtime, yeah. And they go into, um, they basically, it's kind of like a docu-series yeah. that kind of uh, films various couples with different issues, and they go to therapy. And then um, they are going through therapy during during the pandemic. There's a there's a season when they're doing that, and it made me reflect on our relationship during the pandemic. And I think we may have like one night or two nights where we didn't see eye to eye. Didn't see eye to eye. There was a couple more during the pandemic. I don't think it was that many, but it was more better days than not. Surprisingly. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember in one incident, Aiden and I just broke out laughing. <laughs> I felt bad after that. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, so I felt I felt the communication got a lot better mm-hmm. during COVID. I think that's when you reinitiated the safe space. Yes, yes, we did. Just elaborate on the, on the like safe space that you that you actually did. Was that my idea? The safe space. Yeah. Right. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> no uh, so basically, it was something I learned uh, about instituting like something called a safe space where you and your partner can share your thoughts, your feelings, and ideas or views of basically what's going on uh, between the two of you, but without having any emotion attached to it or any animosity, no, no basically pushing back. It's just allowing the information to flow, just allowing the person just to say what it is without the other person taking anything personal. Yeah, exactly. And that was great for me. So if I, if I wanted to, there were times where I felt that certain things, if I brought it up and um, articulated in a certain way, perhaps I would get pushed back. Mm-hmm. So when you created the safe space, I was able to then say, okay, I'm talking to you in the safe space. Yeah. You and knew what that meant. Of course, with a bottle of wine too. It wasn't always with wine. Oh, whiskey. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. But wine does ever make does make things a lot better. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we did have some edibles here and there, so yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that helps. So, I do think that after a while, just like any type of intervention, you don't need it anymore. So we were using the safe space, and then after a while, we were able to communicate without the safe space. Yeah, that definitely helped. I mean, granted, there are some hiccups. We're not saying it's perfect. Nothing's perfect. Uh, nothing. Well, you know, it's ironic though. That technique I shared it with a with a gentleman that I met online. He and I were talking, and we ended up forming a, a group. And we yes. Just, and we just started talking about the things that were going on. And he mentioned his relationship, and I said, you know, you could try this technique that my wife and I do. And he said, sure, I'll look into it. He tried it. He said. He would, he reached back out to me like three, four days later. He goes, thank you. It was the best idea ever. My wife loves it. Now we're doing things together. We're communicating, and we're getting a lot of things out that we didn't know how to express. 
without feeling guilty, without being upset, without having all that, you know, luggage carried over into a conversation where we just freely just speak without having to worry about what the other person is going to be thinking or going to say. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the problem, like, with a lot of relationships that you you may have something mm-hmm. that you need to resolve. Okay. But you're unable to communicate. You're unable to get it out. And I think for me, I come off very harsh when I say things. Yeah. And I don't really know how to articulate in a like a soft way. It's like very like blunt. <laughs> so I, I, don't, I don't even know if it's blunt. I just it's just jagged. <laughs> Straight Jackie just, just destroy everything and then try to pick pick up the pieces later. <laughs> exactly. So I think the safe space, you know, worked for me because uh-huh. I do think when you're communicating, particularly with a spouse, you could have baggage. Yeah. That you're already holding or resentment. Oh, yeah, and, like, stuff from the past that exactly. you never got over exactly. and then you get triggered yes, from it. Yes, exactly. I, I, and it's interesting when dealing with the trigger. It's almost like trauma to a certain extent. But exactly. It's something you're harnessing, you're holding on to, and it's like, why? Let it go? Or it's like, how do you let go of something or how do you deal with it and face it and so you can move on? Because as long as you carry that with you, you're never going to allow the relationship to move forward because anything he or she says will disrupt, you know, your whole energy, your whole body, and your thought space. Yeah. That's detrimental in itself. Yeah, and I do think, like, this is why being aware of your trauma is so important. That is true. Because then you know, and especially being aware of your triggers. So if your partner, or even a friend, or even coworkers say something, you know, okay, I'm feeling this reaction because this is triggering me because of my trauma. So I need to just relax. Oh, man. I used to have that issue with work. I had a boss that she... I remember. Oh, she would trigger me with stuff because like, Osiris, this needs to be done. Osiris, this... And it's like... And I would wake up in the middle of the night. Osiris, so I would leave work at 11 o'clock. Mind you, office is already closed by 4. And I'm there at 11 to make sure that I'm not getting that crazy... Doesn't matter. Five thirty, six o'clock in the morning, get in call. Something's wrong. I remember you had this like distinct ringer that you added. Yeah, it. it you know what that was? <laughs> Something you had. I was like, oh. no, the ringer. That ringer was an alarm, like a fire alarm. Oh Jesus! Because that's I relate that, and that was specifically for her. So whenever she called me, it was that alarm. That tells me like, but you know, the funny thing is that allowed me to deal with it. I was cool after that. I said, oh, all right. She's, she must be onto something. She's calling me. That means something must be wrong. And that's how I cope with it. I just realized I could, no matter what I could, whatever I did or didn't do would not change how she was going to behave, react, or speak to me. So I had to accept that I could not change her, her being or whatever she was feeling at any given time because she was always going to find something wrong. So once I let that idea go, it stopped triggering me. It literally stopped triggering me. That's why I could use that alarm. I actually smile when I see it. <laughs> or I hear that alarm. When I hear that alarm goes off when she calls me, I smile. It's like, huh, 
I wonder how I can help her today. <laughs> and then I just went about my business. <laughs> and I think that helped. Uh, the way that you had that analogy for your boss is the same thing. Because so the, prior to the pandemic, there was a lot of things, not for nothing, not a lot. There was a handful of things that you would say to me that would definitely trigger me. But why? Again, past trauma, childhood experiences, adulthood experiences is nothing that you do, but there are things that you would say. That brought you back there. Exactly. But the question is, why? Like, why? I haven't, maybe it's not resolved. Like I just said before, if you have things that are not resolved. But the question I'm saying is, like, why do you have that feeling for that? I'm trying to understand, like, why do you associate a certain feeling towards something that's happened? Like, why was that emotion attached to that particular action or particular things that was said or done? I think for you in general, you, um, in terms of like tidiness and having things in place, you, you want things in a certain order, right? Mm-hmm. Or if not, you'll complain. Why is this here? Why is this there? It's questions. I, cause I need to understand. Okay. That's fine. I'm okay. not, this is not here for you to what? have a rationale or, you know, no, no, no. <laughs> but, but it's not even that. It's just that, you know, if you want to know, that's the reason because things for me, if I see that place, like it doesn't make sense. Like, why would that be okay, there? Okay, that's fine. Okay, so I, I just had, want you to understand that. That's I, all. I had I, exactly. I had to understand that. Once I started to understand that, I, it wasn't a trigger for me. Ah, uh, okay. And then once I understood where it was coming from, because like my father used to do that to me. Ah. Uh, so oh. for me, it's like, oh God, like is that? I'm like, all right, let me. I had to ignore it. Hmm. Yeah, I noticed you're good at that. <laughs> you're very good at that. It's that's annoying that you ignore. <laughs> but I understand that's your way of coping. Cause I can be volatile. Oh, we've learned that. Yeah. So I'm like, no, I don't want to go there. No. Like, okay, Scorpios are very kind people. Oh boy. But we could be. If we're taken there, we could be volatile. And that's why it'd be a sting. And that's why a lot of times, like, I tell you, I'm like, I'm not going to say anything <laughs> because, not even to you, just in general, because if I do, it's going to sting. Okay. You put some emphasis in your voice there. And I know myself. So I was like, I know that I could be verbally, like, harsh. Yeah. Agony, and I can go get in and hit to the core. And I know that about myself, so I'm like, all right, I'm just not going to say anything. I'm not yeah. going to let that person get me there. Yeah, but the thing is getting you where. It's like, <laughs> why not just address the issue? Why not just discuss it as opposed to having an emotional reaction? I don't know. Yeah, that's, like, that's almost like a tantrum to me in a way. And I, But I get it. I get it. This this is your coping mechanism is to like, but then you understand when I see things and it's just like, okay, it's taking me too far. I go quiet. <laughs> exactly. I like stay me, silent. Exactly. Like me too. I feel that like, even there was a lady um, in our building and I'm like, let me stay quiet because she was trying to get me there. And I just need to not react, react to this lady. Yeah. But I mean, that's important because not every time, <laughs> something needs your reaction but that, but again it goes to my asking like the why that's that's another technique that I learned too as well is just to get to the why so um there was a course a 
a group I was with, I was um, doing some training, some mindfulness. And one of the things that they did was put you in an uncomfortable position. And when I mean uncomfortable position, it's in the sense of imagine you're sitting across somebody you never met, never spoke to before, complete stranger. Your knee to knee, like your knees are touching, your hands are flat on your thighs, and you're literally looking into each other's eyes like you're facing each other. And then you would pose a question, which which, give, which should be have like an emotional response, and then the other the person's response would be why. You know why do you feel this way? You give a response, then you ask why again. This would go on for about two minutes straight. That's all they required. It was two minutes of just going why. And a lot of times it helped people. It I mean it helped me too in understanding why I thought a certain way, why I behaved in a certain way, and why that I took in things that I shouldn't. And it was an interesting experiment, the why. And that's why I asked you the same thing, like, why? Because I'm trying to understand. And also, you find your own answer in responding to that why question. It's true, because I let some people... (laughs) Like I tell you, I said, dude, I will tell, I will say to you, oh, this lady is taking me there. Yeah. But again, why? Why is she? Yeah. And I, remember <laughs> you, I remember you were telling me that, and I said, well, ask yourself the question, why? <laughs> why is she taking you there? It's like, is she physically taking your hand? Is she like poking you with like a bear? Like, you know, it's like, why is? Why are you having this emotional reaction mm-hmm. to her? Again, of course, in hindsight, you're like, why? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, man, keep it moving. Mm. <laughs> but, I mean, to be honest, I mean, it's you're always learning. I mean, for me, I'm always learning about myself. I'm always learning about the, the dynamics between us and Aiden and just dealing with all these different elements and how we've been evolving and moving forward despite the challenges we face daily. I mean, just his health, our health, our mental state, mm. our finances, our, um, you know, stability, our, you know, us in the podcast and things and opportunities that are coming our way. It's like, how do you manage all this while it's happening so quickly? You know, I'm, you know, find me sleeping in different times of the day patterns because of the fact that, you know, working on projects, you know, going to bed at 10, waking up at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning to just keep working until two, three in the afternoon, take a quick nap. You know, it's like these different cycles of sleep, which is going to affect us. Well, affect me anyway, but also it may affect you because now you're going to be concerned about me and my well-being. And then, you know, I have to be on, you know, on call just in case with Aiden and also to support you. And you have to do the same with me. So it's like this constant cycle. So you've got to find like this balance. The balance is the hard part. It It definitely is. It yeah. definitely is. But it means that there's got to be a sacrifice to be made in order to find that balance. And I think I'm st- we're still struggling. Like we, I mean, for me, we had a time where we did get a day off. We had a day to ourselves. We relaxed. We took a nap. We went out to eat. We had a date. And, you know, we didn't, we didn't end up calling his medicine. And for me, I, when things hit, it hits me hard, right? So for me, I just felt... Wow, we had a day just to ourselves, finally. It was great that his grandparents came, and we were able to just not think about him. Yeah. But that being said, we didn't think about him, and then we didn't 
fulfill the order or, you know, for his medicine. And he went a date without it. And I just felt so bad and so guilty that I'm like, we can't even have a date to ourselves. Not to think about him unless we really prep. That's funny. I, I took a different approach to that. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And, and the thing is this, but to a certain extent, it almost made it seem like, you know, you made me feel like we're being selfish for going out and enjoying ourselves while our son was with his grandparents. And he had a fantastic time. I he know. was great. So I was upset with you in the fact that you stopped enjoying yourself with me, you know, our time together to worry about him. So it's like we will never, ever have an, you know, an honest and open alone time because you always have that, you know, that fear in your mind like, oh, something's going to happen to him. Something. We didn't do this. And it's like, then I don't have you here. I have you physically, but mentally and emotionally, you're not there. Yeah, I know you're right. It's absolutely right. Like for me, it's gonna be hard because I always feel like I'm a I'm a mother first, mm-hmm. and if I were was negligent somehow and mm-hmm. not making sure that he has the best day and making sure he gets everything he needs, then I'm gonna feel guilty and I'm not gonna want to do that again. So, uh, hi. So, what do I do? Do I just sit down and just say, I'll wait? Till you know, you get it together and we can, you know, keep going forward. I don't know. I think for moms, and we can also have a panel. Hey, anybody, we have a panel of moms, special needs moms. And we can kind of come together and discuss this because I think for us, things hit harder. We feel it. I, I can't speak for men, of course. I can't speak for dads. Yeah. But I feel like the brunt of it, we just feel so responsible for everything it sounds Even, like you're guilt-ridden, though. Yeah, it'd be more guilt-ridden. Okay, got it. I can understand that. Uh, you know, as a mother, you want to protect your child. And the same thing with dad. We have ours, too. But, I mean, I, I, I get it, and I don't. Absolutely. Because I'm not a mother. Yeah, it's like we have this... I don't know. With moms, is very hard, because you have this, um, this, 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 like, guilt and this... Six cents, and you have, and you feel, you feel very deeply, mm-hmm. and it's like every everything that happens to them, you feel deeply. Like if they get into some type of incident at school, you feel deeply for it. Like it's hard to let go. Yeah, as moms, I see that. I see that, and what's interesting is that I see him, especially Aiden. He runs around. He's laughing. Like nothing happened. He could have a seizure. He's still up and running around. Like, and then so I look at you. I'm like, so what are you, you know, stressing about now? Because he's acting as if nothing happened. But for you, it's, I look at you. It's like the world came crashing down. Yeah, for me, it hits hard. Yeah, so it's like a kind of confusing. I'm like, are you worried about him? He's not even slowing down. Yeah, he's fine, and I'm in a corner crying. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's like, what are we doing again? Yeah, it's tough. But, yeah, I mean, as a mother, I can understand that as a parent in general because, you know, you're supposed to protect your child, nurture, make sure they're safe and healthy, and do all the things, you you know, is expected of you and what you expect of yourself. So if anything goes wrong, it's like you're holding that grunt. But also, how does that affect our relationship? Oh, it's 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 not great. It's, it's horrible <laughs> for, for a relationship. Yeah, well, it could be hor- It could be horrible. Depending on your outlook, or it could be a learning experience. 
I think it's a learning experience. But it could be horrible. <laughs> both. both. <laughs> so it's, yeah, but it's like you have to go through that fire, you know, in order to come out of the other side to see, like, oh, okay. I think because for moms, because you carry the child from the beginning of, I guess, conception, you feel very responsible for anything that happens to that child. Okay. And you feel that guilt. If something happens, like it just carries with you, even when they're, you know, born, even when they're, you're not carrying them anymore, you still feel responsible for every little thing. Agreed. Agreed. And that happens, so that's why it hits harder. Understood. Understood. So it's a lot. I mean, it's. So, a, I'm gonna work. I'm. A, I'm a work in progress. Like. I think uh, we all are yeah. to a certain extent. I won't be an egomaniac and say, "No, I'm not. I'm okay." <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm learning through it all because there's there's so much to learn. I mean, you know, still learning how to deal with when you re, you know when you react or behave in a certain way when it comes to him or just us, yeah, whether we communicate or not communicate on, on the same page, and also in how Aiden reacts to certain things. And I'm like, okay, I got to analyze the environment. I gotta like take a step back and not overreact or try to correct something that's going on. I have to watch and let it flow so I can get a better grasp of it. So, you know, I just have to understand like, okay, what is my role? What what am I supposed to be doing here at this point? I think you you're doing a good job at that. Oh, so. you said that live. Thank you. I did. I did. It's all good. Wow. I think we've gotten stronger. Yes. Um, yeah, you've been doing a great job. I can't. In a lot of ways during this pandemic, so yeah, it's just getting. It's just still a working. Even ten years of marriage is still working. You know why? You're still working. I feel like because we're changing. Yeah, we are evolving. Yes, definitely. So as you change and grow, like, like I said, I met you when I was in my twenties. Now I'm going towards forty. So, is I'm a different person. Yeah. No. <laughs> Oh my God! With experiences and traumas and all kind of stuff that happens between your twenties going into your forties, oh, it man. then changes you, right? And it's yeah, not, it most of the time it's for the better. Yeah, it's it's funny because I, I remember um, we were dating. Next year we're engaged, and it's like, oh, we're living together. Um, okay, and then we get married. It's like you're still here. <laughs> like, exactly, and then the like, thing what is, what are we gonna do now? <laughs> and the thing is, like, when you're married and dating, you don't take in consideration, like, oh, well, we grew up very differently. How's that gonna impact relationship? Yes. Relationship, and you're like, oh shoot, this definitely will impact the relationship. Yeah, but by then it's like, oh no, we had a kid. <laughs> Ironically <laughs> enough, I, I, you know, I remember having to want to create this conversation with you. And you were very animated about not having that discussion. You remember that? I actually don't remember it. Okay. Well, we'll bring it up another time. We'll bring <laughs> it, I will bring it up another time. But, Got it. Um, guys, you know, it's it's been an interesting year. And for us, especially other than the fact that, you know, we're still together. We're still working towards, um, you know, goals and just, you know, working collectively. So for you guys out there going through the same thing as we, you guys face the day-to-day challenges just dealing with the outside world as well as internally, you know, just keep working, you know, all those things that brought you guys together, you know, make sure that's on the forefront to keep you guys together. Yes. All uh, right. It's always a work in progress. 
And also, please check us out on Love and Can on Instagram. Yes, definitely do that. You know, just drop a line and say hello. All right, guys, have a good night. Ciao. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your cannabis business podcast, The Talking Hedge, and newest member on PodCon X. So come on over and check out The Talking Hedge. We talk about business news, interviews, investments, events, all that stuff. So come nerd out with me over at The Talking Hedge. You can find me at thetalkinghedgepodcast.com or on all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.